on Mile High Sports. Happy Friday. It is, uh, this is very, very, very happy Friday. Your Denver Nuggets will be headed to the Western Conference Finals. And one way or another, they will be facing a team in which they can get a modicum of revenge because they've had losses to, of course, the Warriors and the Lakers that have had significant sort of pivot points in the franchise's history. So the bright side of it is the Nuggets are there and the other two will be moving on. We'll talk about the Lakers and Warriors in depth a little bit more in the program because, of course, the Nuggets will take on one of them. But the performance last night, we, we had talked about it a bit that it felt like when DeAndre Ayton was not going to play that there's part of that 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 spoke about Ayton and there's part of that in which the Suns maybe came to that realization that you've talked about, Sandy, that at a certain point in every series, the team that is going to lose it understands that we can maybe steal a game, but we really can't get by these guys. And it felt like after game five, the, the Nuggets had the Suns teetering on that point, despite the fact they had brilliant players in Durant and Booker, and it felt like from the get-go, the Nuggets did what they needed to do. We talked about it, as a matter of fact, on the social video component that we put on Miley Sports. Uh, we, we do after every show. We do a little little 60-second primer, and we said specifically, watch for that first quarter of the Nuggets game. If they come out hot, the Suns may just pack it in, and that's essentially exactly what happened. Well, they scored, what was it, to finish off the quarter? 17, 17 straight points. Yep. I think it was 17 I think straight. It, 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 it was 27, 26. Yes, maybe right. It was 44, 26. Yes. And, 17, but uh, right. I, I really thought, and I asked some people who have been watching the Nuggets for more years than I've been watching them, which would be right around 44 now. I asked them, in their experience watching this franchise, even going back to the ABA days, if they had ever seen in any kind of game of consequence a first half that was the equal of what the Nuggets put out there last night. What was it? 81-51 at that. Even 30 a game, points. A game over. And everybody over. remembers that over. Phoenix because they're down 57-27 last year in game seven at home against Dallas, a team that didn't even make the play-in tournament this year. So they've been down by 30 in consecutive years in closeout games. Got booed off the court. Got booed off the court at halftime, and rightfully so, as I think even they acknowledged uh, after the game. The consensus view is that this might have been, again, in a game of consequence, not necessarily covering just the postseason, but covering big games the Nuggets have played through the years. The best half of basketball anybody's ever seen from the Denver Nuggets, and I would concur with that because it was the best half of basketball I saw Nikola Jokic ever play. And Jokic, as has been pointed out in various ways, keeps raising the bar of what is possible when it comes to dominance. Uh, I don't know if he has quite yet reached uh, the Wilt Chamberlain level, but it seems as if when Wilt and the 76ers had enough to finally beat the Celtics, Wilt became 
more of a triple threat in terms of triple doubles, not only points and rebounds, but assists as well. Uh, at about the same time that Jokic seems to be moving in that same direction and has already, in some respects, exceeded Wilt. You certainly passed him in the triple doubles. With the triple doubles in the playoffs. So, I just think I, it, the second half to me was immaterial. To have such command, and I think it would have been the same whether Paul was in the game, whether no, you, you, you I had think a full complement. I think they missed Aiton, but I don't think the result changes. Aiton, you know, I, I thought, again, in this series for Phoenix, the only guy who's really consistent, and I'm not saying he's the best player, I'm saying he's the most consistent player game to game, was Landale, who started last night and actually for 31 minutes had a pretty good line. Now, they were 31 minutes largely played during garbage time. Right. I get that. Right. But he was plus seven. Otherwise, uh, the Suns, whether you think they played badly or not, were simply being bulldozed by a juggernaut of a basketball team. Now, it gets harder, as you have pointed out, with each win and each uh, so-called graduation mm -hmm. into a later round, it gets harder to win, harder to dominate, but it seems to be getting easier for Jokic as time goes along, at least this year in the playoffs, and the growth, which we'll get into later, from 2019 Jokic to 2023 Jokic is truly something but to I mean, behold. Think about this, Sandy, and I just want to rewind a little bit because there is nobody in this town that, that I'm aware of, certainly not on radio, that has seen more of Denver sports than you have. And the perspective you have is rather vast. And you were talking about, I mean, I just you just said it. I don't know if he's quite reached the level of Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, zoom out and think about that statement. I mean, you'd be talking about, think about the equivalent here. A player that maybe hasn't quite reached the Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux level of dominance. That maybe hasn't reached the uh, Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays level of Babe dominance. Ruth? Or Babe Ruth level of dominance. I mean, think of that when we're talking about other sports. You know, it's not reached the, the, the Tom Brady <laughs> level of I mean, what we're talking about is some of the greatest athletes, not only in just basketball, in the history of sport. And we're talking about Nikola Jokic, who is still in his 20s, as maybe, if not being on just the cusp of that, but maybe already being one of those players. Oh, I, I think Kevin Durant acknowledged that. We will hear game from Kevin Durant uh, in, that in he, a little in fact, bit. was and, and is one of those players, one of those truly special, uh, clearly all time great players. Uh, the missing ingredient as it was with Wilt until 1967 is a championship to go with all the other facets of Jokic's game which have developed so remarkably and I I really liked what Malone said when he talked about we 
and extended the word to perhaps mean the Nugget organization and even Malone himself Correct. in terms of taking for granted because he produces at this level so consistently and only gets better, never shows any real sign of regression. It's remarkable. If you want to be paying the back-to-back years, we agree. He was better this year. Yeah. This was the best year of his career. Yeah. 2018 through 2023. This five-year period, I'm not sure anybody has ever played the setter position, purely as an individual, better than Jokic. And I guess you can quibble with his lack of shot blocking, if you must, but otherwise, there is not anything that is unsound or unsteady about his game. He only rises further and further to the occasion, and because he is not demonstrative in ways that some other NBA players are today, I think his competitive drive gets overlooked. I think so, too, and I think that is That's actually what's taken something for granted. that has continued to grow. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday when I said that I thought that it wasn't that long ago when I described Jamal Murray as maybe the the heart of the team, despite the fact Jokic is the strongest player and best player on the team. And I said yesterday, I no longer think that's the case. I think the drive that Jokic has is abundantly clear at this point. He is the unquestioned leader of the team. Guys like uh, Murray happily, happily, go where he follows and the coach himself is now more than happy to hand the guy the whiteboard on breaks i mean it it is remarkable and when you think of as you pointed out you you want to quibble i guess about the greatest centers in the history of the nba we can go look at him and and let's run him off top our head okay shaquille o'neal not a good passer right by Uh, his own admission right in a conversation with Jokic just the other night Jokic was teasing him remember yep when they mentioned to him after the game on tnt that he had passed wilt and Jokic, uh, as is his uh, custom, uh, said, oh, wait a minute, Shaq's not up there in, in terms of triple doubles? And Shaq didn't miss a beat. No. So, uh, big honey, I never passed. <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was not renowned for defense, and despite his size, not a, not a, no, known as a relentless I, shot blocker. I, I, would, I, I, would, I, I would say, um, I would say with Kareem, it was more, that he wasn't the dominant rebounder. Defensively, I think he, I think he, was he good. lived up to what he was supposed to be. Uh, shot blocking, uh, I didn't think it was extraordinary, but it was certainly not a weakness. Rebounding was. I, and, of course, he played a long time. And so because he, he played that, right? longer than Russell did, he played longer than Wilt did, the fact that at the end of his career, no, he wasn't a defensive stalwart. And he never was a great rebounder other than maybe his first year or two in the league when otherwise he was playing on a team that was fairly small and there was no one else really there to rebound. Uh, Oscar was a great rebounder earlier in his career, but by the time he joined Kareem in Milwaukee, Oscar Robertson was at the end and he wasn't doing a lot of rebounding. He was orchestrating, which he did brilliantly, but he wasn't the scorer he had been, and he certainly wasn't the rebounder he had been. But I would I would say, yes, you could point to similar, I won't even call them flaws, 
maybe shortcomings. I'm not even sure shortcomings because nobody's good at everything. I mean, Bill Russell you know, was a, Bill Russell was an extraordinary yeah. player. Yeah, uh, not renowned as a passer for obvious reasons, though he certainly could do it, and that's that's. A, oh, know. I thought he was renowned as a passer more than anything else. The the, the thing that Russell well, you know better do, than I did, obviously. No, no, Russell was one of the great outlet passers, one of the great passers uh, of at any position during his time uh, in Boston, especially in the outlet pass, uh, or he or he blocked shots to teammates, and that's not uh, yeah, that's passing. not really a but yeah, but you point. know I I thought with with Russell. Uh, you know, the weakness was kind of particularly at the foul line. Yeah. And, but, but that was weakness with Shaq and Wilt. Um, he was not a great scorer, but he, he didn't particularly have to be. Um, he would never have scored the way Wilt did in any setting. But, uh, no, I, I thought the passing was more of a, a, a strength. In terms of handling the ball in the post, yeah. Russell versus Jokic, come on now. <laughs> I no mean, comparison. David Robinson, extraordinary player as well, but you can nitpick on things. I mean, to my to my mind, the, the most complete center I've ever seen, and I didn't go back far enough to see Bill Russell, but to my mind, if you were to tell me uh, I had to have one center and I needed to win a game, I, I'm taking Hakeem Olajuwon, who I think has, was the most complete guy I'd ever seen when you're talking about the most potential ability to impact a game because you there, could do all there, of it. There I would go to the passing, which did become more of a strength later in his career when, when he won the titles two years in a row in 93, 94-94-95. I thought he had learned how to pass out of a double team. Alex English and I had a long conversation one time and this is back in an era when there were bus rides taken and not necessarily flights <laughs> between places like Houston and Dallas. Didn't take the private, private jet then? And I, I had a very long conversation with Alex English about Akeem Olajuwon, who had just had a 50-plus point game against the Nuggets, one of the great offensive displays I'd ever seen, much like Jokic's game four against Phoenix. The Nuggets won the game because Akeem couldn't or wouldn't pass out of double teams. And Alex was explaining how they defended him and they he made the statement very much in line with what you just said if and when he learns he will be completely unstoppable and they will string together championships exactly what happened alex's prediction which was made in the late 1980s certainly came true within five years six at the most the idea of having, and keep in mind, I mean, Elijah wants peak year in passing. He had 3.6 assists per game. Nikola Jokic is capable of <laughs> leading the league in assists anytime he wanted to do it. We we are talking about greatness, and, and here we are. I mean, look at where we are trying to compare. We're nitpicking Bill Russell and David Robinson and Hakeem Olajuwon and Will Chamberlain? Are you kidding me? No, because nobody plays the position the way Jokic did, and... Uh, you know, we, we were talking with George Carl yesterday, and he, he was saying that the best he could do was describe Jokic as a cross between Tim Duncan and Larry Bird. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I mean, there are people. And I threw Magic Johnson in there this. with it. <laughs> right. But, but it, it, you would put Bird on your all-time NBA team, first team. You would put Duncan... At huh. worst, on the second Real team. Real close, right. And Magic would be, for me, on the first team, 
uh, as well. But if you're looking at a direct comparison between Jokic and any one guy, Duncan didn't pass, although he's a good passer. Now, Dun- Duncan is, the, you know, kind of the equivalent of of, of Russell, mm-hmm. uh, although not quite as good defensively. He he was close to being as good a passer uh, as Russell did, but a good passer, not not a great one. Now, the previous comparisons at the center position between Jokic and anybody else as a passer have existed between Jokic and Bill Walton. I would also put Wes Unseld in there, particularly with Just respect passers? to the outlet pass. The, the outlet pass, Vlade which Divac. Unseld and Walton were brilliant at delivering, but uh, no. I, and we it, saw him too late in his career, Jokic, but Arvita Jokic throws outlet passes like quarterbacks. Yes. Throw bombs. Yeah, nobody's seen anything quite like it, as a matter of fact. I mean, I mean Wes did it with two hands. Wes would go up and get a rebound. Jokic will rebound on something with down, one hand. And be- right. before and then, he then even... Wes would do the same thing, except Wes would do it with two hands. And uh, Walton was remarkable as a passer. But Walton himself says Jokic is a better passer than he was. And some of that is, is it's, it's pretty remarkable because, you know, what you see from Jokic passing, and we consider it like the NFL and what it really is, and um, in that area of, of the world, in that former Yugoslavia, and I, I honestly don't know if, if Jokic ever played, don't get the impression that he did. But that former Yugoslavia that's been, you know, now broken into to multiple countries. And one of those countries is is Croatia. I've been to Croatia before. Uh, Croatia has made very good runs in the World Cup in soccer over the last couple of, of cups, despite their fact they're a tiny country. It is not, however, the national sport. The national sport, and when I say this, I want you to picture Nikola Jokic plucking one of those rebounds out of the air. And before he even all but takes a step, throws a dime down the court. The national sport of Croatia, which is right next to Serbia, is part of the former Yugoslavia, is water polo. And that's the way Jokic makes those passes, as if he was playing water polo. Right. And it's another reason that virtually nobody in the NBA is expecting it because they've virtually never seen it. Well, you've never seen a lot of the stuff that he does. It, it has never been seen. And he's so good, fundamentally. I mean, I remember maybe five, six years ago, uh, you know, he'd try things and it it would seem if he turned it over half the time, it would happen because the receiver wasn't Wasn't expecting it. Mm -hmm. Now, I was taught and and learned by watching growing up that if a pass doesn't make connection with a teammate, it's 99.9% of the time the passer's fault right. one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which but, I still think is fair. But with with him, um, you know, it, it, he would, you know, hit some guys on the head just because they weren't expecting it. It wasn't because they weren't open or he's forcing the pass. I mean, nobody's perfect. There are always passes that are high risk and maybe imperfectly thrown, but he seems to have cleaned up that part of his game in in a way in which his assist-to-turnover ratio is now even a little bit better than 2-to-1, I think. And, and moving more toward 2.5-to-1 uh, to one last night, you had the 12 assists against two turnovers. I, I mean, that's <laughs> I, I looked at the game last night, and 
that you know, triple doubles are not uncommon for Nikola Jokic, but this one in particular, he had all the elements: the points, the rebounds, the assists, the steals, the blocks, few turnovers. Thirty-eight minutes plus twenty-eight. I mean, I don't know how you do better than that. And I know they can't compete with them, but I I guess the question now is. Can anybody even slow him down? We have not seen that person to date in these playoffs. Not Gobert and certainly not DeAndre. Devin Booker dipped out of the uh, game loss without addressing the media. Kevin Durant, however, uh, did. And what Durant had to say in defeat, to me, a gracious in defeat and admiration about the play for Nikola Jokic is worth hearing. We'll let you hear it next on Miley Sports. Sandy Cuff and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Playoff triple doubles don't count. Nikola Jokic has 105 in his career in regular seasons. That, by the way, in case you're curious about the math, is 27 more than Will Chamberlain, who has the most of any center. So, I mean, dominant there. LeBron James is 38 years old. LeBron James is a first bout Hall of Famer and an argument that I think anyone can make now, given the fact he does oh, have first, titles, first to say that he's as, as good, at least, as anybody NBA. who's ever played basketball. Right. He has two more triple-doubles than Nikola Jokic. And what Jokic continues to do is simply remarkable. The almost effortlessness at times in which he played in not only the Nuggets wins in this series, of which they won four games to two last night with that dominant 25-point win, but even in the losses, just the almost effortless performance that Jokic had in this series. And I'll, I'll give you the numbers. 34 and a half points per game. 13.2 boards a game. 10.3 assists per game. Averages a steal and a block per game. Only 2.6 turnovers, and that's in 38.5 minutes per game. All right. Unreal. No one has had those numbers in a series that was won, which means Wilt had those numbers, mm-hmm. but... It always seemed that Wilt's teams, whether it was the Philadelphia Warriors, always the San Francisco the Warriors, or, something. or the Philadelphia 76ers, who came from Syracuse, all the teams that Wilt played for, the Lakers, even during uh, Wilt's first year, which turned out to be Russell's last year, they always ran into the Celtics, and Wilt would have great numbers, numbers like that, maybe even better than that, but he would be on the losing side. For somebody to put up those numbers and be on the winning side is unprecedented. Also, by the way, Jokic was the best shooter on the Nuggets, 59.4% of the series. From, That's all? He didn't yeah, hit 69. He was also, mind you, the best three-point shooter on the Nuggets, 44.4%. Right. right. Oh, he reintroduced, in case people had forgotten that he could shoot the three, because this year I, he didn't seem to be shooting the threes as much, I think, because his game inside became so dominant. 
but then he reminded us late in the regular season and and through the playoffs so far that he can go out there and shoot the three too. The the performance obviously was jaw dropping, and even though the uh, at times still, even after winning back to back MVPs, the national media seems a little perplexed by Nikola Jokic and, and wonders if somehow these stats just happen in a vacuum or who knows what. Well, those uh, same national media folks. Uh, Certainly don't have a problem talking about the greatness of Kevin Durant, and nor should they. Kevin Durant is an extraordinary basketball player with a- incredible abilities across the board. Who and did not have a particularly good series. He did actually. not, and we'll get into the reasons as to why that happened. Some of it was on him, and some of it was because of the Nuggets. Yeah. But two Nuggets. Devin Booker uh, bailed after the loss, talked to the press. And I, I'm not one of those guys that buries him. I, I really don't. I get that. I actually want to commend Durant for coming out, yes. doing the oh, talking. Yeah. Because, and being pretty eloquent. Uh, and, and being great about it. Uh, it's a tough loss for him. He got traded to this team to go win a title. Mm-hmm. It does not happen. And it does not happen in part because not only did they run into a very good Nuggets team, but they ran into a singular player with a singular performance. And Kevin Durant, to his absolute credit, as heard on NBA TV, spoke specifically about Nikola Jokic. You knew Joker was a great player, obviously, before this series started. Is there any different level of respect or anything about his game that changes once you compete for a series? Nah, nah, nah. I always had respect. I always knew how great he was. Always watching these guys, you know what I'm saying? All the great players in the league. Not surprised that these guys are good, especially somebody like Jokic. I've been watching him, playing against him for a minute now since he hit his peak as a player. So, no, I wouldn't say I learned anything new. Great team, deep team, multiple guys that uh, play well together, great continuity, been together for what, how long has Mike Malone been there? Six years. That's, 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 uh, that's a good advantage to have. You know, you know your coach, you know the players on the team, you got a system in place for that long. So, no, I wasn't surprised at all. Jokic is an all-time great. I'm going to go down as one of the – all-time great centers to ever touch a basketball. So he went out there and did what he's supposed to do. The, the end, especially. Top he's an play- all-time Top 10 player centers to ever touch a basketball? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's very high praise from a guy that's going to be in the hall himself. Right. Mind you, in Durant. Of course. And so... Uh, and as an all-time great himself, uh, yes. in my view, this series notwithstanding, uh, he'd be on my second team all-time yeah, NBA yeah. team he would, because in in his own he's way he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer he's a he's a freak of nature yes and he has applied himself rigorously uh, through the years and in, in growing his game out uh, came into a situation that was almost no win when he joined the golden yeah, state warriors because yeah. they had won 73 games the year before yep. and they had gone through kevin durant's oklahoma city thunder it, which was the knock against Kevin Durant because it used to be he did the purely and can't beat him, team, join him. His team was up three games to one in that series, lest people think that Golden State can't possibly come back and beat the Lakers from 3-1 down. Uh, they've done it before. Uh, at least that core has done it before. But he comes in, and they've already set the all-time record for wins in the regular season, so nobody in 2016-17 is paying any attention to the Warriors and what they do or don't do during the regular season because they set regular season records for wins the year before and led the finals 3-1. Draymond got himself suspended. They ended up blowing the 
series to LeBron James, Kyrie Irving's Cleveland Cavaliers, and that was the deal. So uh, he comes in, and he wins not uh, one championship with the Warriors, but he wins two. And I think he was the finals MVP in one of those two years, if memory serves. So he's he's a proven champion uh, in his own right. And I, I think he expects Jokic to join him uh, on the list of players who won multiple championships and at some point. That obviously is the next uh, major step. I mean, it really is a uh, a big one. And when you're when you're talking about the ability for Jokic, I don't think it's it's even remotely in question. I'll get into some of the the, the more advanced analytics in particular. And I, I explained some of them. One of them is uh, what's called box plus minus, and it, it basically goes to you know, play by play. And basically it means it's a per 100. So if you're a plus five, it means that the player is five points better than an average player over 100 possessions. Uh, minus two is sort of an average player, and anything minus five is really bad. Now the problem is because of the way box scores are calculated, that can only go back to about 1973. That's still That's 50, 50 years. years. Let me give you some of the guys in there. I'll just go with the top 10. Number 10 is Larry Bird, 5.12. Number 9 is Charles Barkley, 5.36. Number 8 is Damian Lillard, 5.73. 7 is James Harden, 5.79. 6 is Magic Johnson, 5.93. 5 is Kevin Durant, 6.04. 4 is Stephen Curry, 6.22. LeBron James at an even 7, and Michael Jordan at 7.17. The reason I didn't give you the numbers is because Nikola Jokic is 6.71. That is third. Since 1973 and 74, that's the three. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic. Well, I would say if you were making an all-time team over the last 50 years, uh, you'd have a tough time, uh, maybe not right this instant, but I'd, I'd say... A year or two from now, certainly Jokic should be on the first team. It was it all NBA team for the last 50 years. It obviously wouldn't include Russell. Um, it wouldn't really include Oscar or West. Uh, trying to think of anybody. Elgin Baylor wouldn't be on it. Uh, you know, none, none of the people we remember, those of a certain age, remember growing up watching. But anyway, uh, it's extraordinary. There's no way to adequately describe what he does because we haven't seen right what he does well, that's true. with any other player at any other position. We really haven't. That's the part that's and, tricky. And the growth is remarkable. The maturity is there. Uh, whereas at one time uh, you wondered whether, uh, as recently as two years ago when he got thrown out of the final game of the Nugget playoff season in 2021 against Phoenix, <laughs> against uh, Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker, if not Kevin Durant, at that point you, you were wondering, and I, you know, I didn't particularly feel the need to blast him for that because I thought he was frustrated. I think he was frustrated with his coach. I think he was frustrated with the team around him at that point. I think he was uh, frustrated because uh, the Suns, uh, were able to attack him. And remember, Murray wasn't in the playoffs that year, and Porter had the bad back, which later led to his missing uh, almost all of last season. But you know what? The people who say 
that explaining the Nuggets' rise this year is just a matter of acknowledging that Porter and Murray came back. Boy, they're dead wrong. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope again showed last night he's capable of scoring big. Bruce Brown in the previous game had proved that he could score big. And Christian Brown, more than perhaps any other nugget, including Aaron Gordon, who did a sensational defensive job on Durant, got under the skin of Durant and also, late in the regular season at least, clearly got under the skin of Devin Booker. And getting one guy, especially a rookie, getting under the skin of two superstars. Remarkable. And to have one player like that would be useful. The Nuggets have three of those guys, three of the eight in their rotation, who weren't around last year. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who make the big difference and I say weren't around weren't on the team I mean Murray and Porter were out for virtually the entire year but they were on the team and this team is I I don't even want to get into well the Nuggets have been in the conference finals before and as recently as 2020 this team is so much better than that 2020 team. Give Calvin Booth the GM credit. Remember, you, th- you talk about Booth, those guys. There's a reason that Calvin eight, Booth tied for third in executive eight-man of rotation the year voting, right? Contavious Caldwell Pope, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, all Calvin Booth additions this offseason. I mean, I don't know how you can be more impactful. And there were than those that. in the organization who, in at least one of those instances, opposed the move. So. You have someone who acted in truly an independent manner and perhaps was proven correct in an environment of, of some degree of opposition. Now, uh, you know, the veterans, I think everybody understood their value up and down the organizational chain of command, but I don't know that the draft pick was the one that everybody in the organization would have made, but it was the one Calvin Booth was determined to make. And, uh, you know, I, I go back, and I know mock drafts are just out there for fun. They aren't predictive. But I didn't see anybody who projected Christian Brown to go as early as he did. Calvin Booth thought he was just the guy the Nuggets needed. I, I mean, from a championship team, and he didn't think it was too early to take Christian Brown. Peyton Watson went where Christian Brown was supposed to go. And part of the reason that Brown went there. And Peyton Watson was controversial. Calvin Booth's moves were very straightforward. He recognized correctly the way we win a title. And you talked about this with, with Wilt Chamberlain to start off the show. We have one of the greatest talents the NBA has ever seen. Everything needs to run through this guy, which means that the rest of this roster, you think of it, go back to your old high school classes, right? And you're making them your molecules. Nikola Jokic is the nucleus of this cell, and everything else needs to support the nucleus. And that means you have guys that fill certain roles, certain jobs. Booth knew that and altered the team to best suit what fit Jokic. And the payoff, I think, has been immense. Can I make a distinction between being physical, and this is not a physical series in spite of what you may have heard or read. But the Nuggets are scrappy. 
Yes, Talented as they are, they are scrappy. Physically imposing, no. Scrappy, definitely. And that's what they added, what they didn't have before. They had flash and dash. There are parts of Murray's game that are very flashy. There's certainly parts of Porter's game that are very flashy. Um, as far as physically being imposing, Aaron Gordon can assert himself along those lines. It's 6'9", 250. Come on. But scrappiness, not something you generally associated with Nugget teams down through the years, but this team is scrappy. They is, certainly are, and we will obviously talk a lot more about this as the show goes on, but uh, we would be remiss, as in, like, literally everyone else is doing it. So uh, we'll, we'll take a segment, and we'll take a look at the Broncos' schedule and see how much uh, the order of things change, how we feel about the uh, the, the result, the, the spoiler alert. It will be none, but we still want to go through it and let you know what it is next on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The best part of the NFL schedule release that I can tell so far, with a, a tip of the cap to Peyton Manning, of course, coming back and uh, doing the sort of the office mock-up in his uh, in another pretty funny social media release. And by the way, that's the NFL schedule release. Romy Bean yesterday did bring up one actionable part of it. Uh, you could actually be planning if you wanted to see a road game. Maybe that having the schedule out is useful. Otherwise, it's pretty much just Christmas for the social media teams. The best one that I'd seen thus far is uh, for the Tennessee Titans, if you hadn't caught that. Uh, that one's fantastic. They're they're out on Broadway and just asking random, just holding up a logo and asking random people what it is, and uh, then actually just listing that as the name. It was so funny and so good that uh, two separate groups of people looked at a logo and repeatedly said, "Oh, well, that's 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 the Cowboys." Well, it was the Colts. Uh, another group of people, because they had to play them again, of course, because it's the Titans. Looks at, well, that's the Cowboys. It was again. The Colts. It was so good that the Indianapolis Colts today on Twitter changed their name to Not the Cowboys. That wasn't even their social media release, but the Colts' name was Not the Cowboys today. So that part I like. That part's all in good fun. Uh, I, I do enjoy that part of the schedule. But otherwise, it doesn't change the way we look at this team. Uh, the projections have to do with how your team looks post-draft, post-free agency, those things are in. And I don't think the order matters all that much. Though, Sandy, the buy is in a favorable place. You're, you do get, I think, some concern about that. And uh, maybe when you're in a situation that, that Sean Payton is with starting a new team's culture, uh, maybe having some early soft landings doesn't hurt, and that appears to be the case as well. Uh, open with two at home, and it's been a while since we've seen that. Uh, Raiders and Washington. Um, the things that jumped out to me involved only four home games after Halloween, uh, three out of four at home going into the bye in week nine, but four of six on the road coming out of the bye and four of the final six on the road, although uh, some of those road games, I'm looking at Houston, uh, possibly at Las Vegas, uh, certainly 
winnable, even if the Broncos aren't much better than average. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a schedule that is neither, as you said during the break, favorable nor unfavorable, and it's a schedule that I would expect the to result in somewhere between seven wins, nine wins. That's exactly right. And not, seven to nine, and, and nine not is much outside that range or short of that range. I, I don't see six and eleven or worse. Uh, I don't see ten and seven or better. Uh, I see seven yep. wins, but most likely either eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Eight and nine or nine and eight. Yeah, I think I think I, I tend to look at it being. I actually think it's a little more towards. Seven and nine as it stands today. But seven of course, and ten. Or pardon me, seven and ten as we stand today. Uh, I think that's possible. But I think we'll take a look at uh, when we get to see training camp and see how Russell Wilson looks. Then you could revise it. That, but I'm with yeah. you. I, I think Mac, the max is a nine-win season, which would keep you in the wild card mix, which I think would be a great outcome. But I, I don't think the Broncos are a playoff team right now. Injuries change everything. The Broncos could get really lucky this year, and other teams could get unlucky. But I think they're, at max, a 9-18. and The Broncos spent more money in free agency than any other team in the league, about $241.5 million. You know who does that usually? Bad teams. Teams that lost. And even the most optimistic of Bronco chroniclers acknowledge that the signings of McGlinchey and Powers notwithstanding, offensive line remains a major weakness. Because there's no depth there. There's nobody behind the starters who's really started much, if at all, in the National Football League. They have no depth on the offensive line. If they have any injuries on the offensive line, they're dead in the water. Now, again, this goes back to the notion that you can't rebuild a team in one off season. You can make all kinds of changes, but... You can't, you can't alter the fundamental nature of a team. I, I you know, say you, you can change a team. I mean, you can shuffle bodies. That's what I mean by change. But change a team's essential culture, uh, the climate around it. No, that's that's going to take multiple years, and I think Sean Payton knows that. And I think even up at CU, the most changed. Uh, major college or NFL team in the country, they, they're not going to go from 1-11 to 11-1 or 10-2 or 9-3. It's just not going to happen. You can't do it all in one off season. They finished last year, easy to remember, 2022, finished with 22 Broncos on injured reserve. I think they hope to improve in that area. <laughs> One would hope, right? Maybe I mean, cut that number in half would be nice, okay? But this is a team that last had a winning home record when they were 7-9 and nine under Vic Fangio in his first year back in 2019. Last time they had a winning season at home, where even bad Bronco teams used to win more than they lost. That's the most recent winning season at home. Against the AFC West. As Romy Bean told us yesterday, the last time they had a winning record was 2015 when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, They had seven national TV games last year because everyone was convinced, not so much that the Broncos would be real good, 
but that they be a curiosity item with Russell Wilson coming to Denver. So there are national TV games all over the place. I think four times in the first six weeks last year, the Broncos were nationally featured. Needless to say, they don't get close to seven games this year as national games. And, of course, the last win against Kansas City coming way back on September 17th, 2015. So when they play the Chiefs for the first time this year in Kansas City on October 12th, it'll be eight years and 25 days since they last beat the Chiefs and they're playing in Kansas City. So I'm guessing that streak might last for at least 17 more days after that when they play him at home. Yeah, maybe at home. There, there's. A, I, I just don't think the Broncos can, are at the talent level of Kansas City, let alone. And you brought up the other part with Kansas then, City. That then I you can't. Then you're not so a serious important. team. Then you're not a serious team. The, the what Sean Payne's trying to build takes years, right? Years. And uh, we heard that from Kevin Durant a little bit ago, talking about Jokic and the Nuggets, talking about how big a deal was, even because he got dropped into a situation. Talking about the Nuggets are good in part because you know what. Those guys have been there for the most part. Their core's been there. Their coach has been there. Everybody yeah. knows yeah. what everybody Actually, wants to Malone's do. Actually, Malone's been there a longer quite a bit than longer Durant, Durant remembered. But, 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 but the Nuggets but the have been stands. competent. Yeah. They've been good for about the last six years. And the people they've had coalescing, uh, you know, they've had basically that, certainly that Jokic-Murray core for quite a while. And then you throw Porter into it. Gordon's a little more recent. Uh, that was post-bubble. But it really, the only year I ever heard Michael Malone complain that there was too much changeover on the roster was after the bubble, and it was a short off season anyway, and prior to the start of the 2020-2021 season when there were five or six new players on the roster. Otherwise, ever since Malone's been here pretty much from year to year, the components, the essential components of the roster have been the same. Now, this year, there were three major additions to what they already had. And I suppose if they can get something eventually out of Peyton Watson, it could be four. But for I, right I now, it's they three. Are get Whether they lose Watson. Bruce Brown or not, it's been three for this year. Three out of the eight guys in the rotation didn't play for the Denver Nuggets last year and weren't injured uh, while a member of the organization. So it's it's remarkable that they, to the extent they've added in recent years, apart from the offseason separating the bubble from the start of the next year, they've been uh, pretty stable and Therefore, a complete team that is the only team in the playoffs that has not been blown out yeah, at least once. And so that that culture matters, and it matters for the Broncos, who especially when talking about the Chiefs as their sort of great white whale at this point. Yes. Oh, yeah. Look. (laughs) Good way to put it. The Chiefs were able to move on from, we talked about it before, actually, yesterday as well. They moved on from Kareem Hunt years before. Didn't hurt them and at all. Tyreek Hill. They moved on Tyreek Hill. Didn't hurt them at all. And now Frank Clark. And Frank I don't Clark think that'll hurt, hurt them at all. Because the 
The Chiefs are the preeminent franchise in the NFL today, not only because they have an extraordinary quarterback and an extraordinary coach, but they have a synergy with their front office, yes. at the field, all of it. It really hasn't changed. The, I, I know the they've brought out offensive coordinators right. from time But again, to time. but it, but it's it they're 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 parts. You're you're swapping out Spagnola's been there forever. Right. The defensive coordinator. Parts and and a special teams coach has been there forever. This is the Broncos are so far from being able to do that at right. this stage. And so, right. you know, Broncos fans are looking at it. This is the year you beat Kansas City. I I like these Kansas City games being early because we can get past that nonsense. They'll lose twice. By the well, time it's the bye, we don't have to talk and, about and, it again. And I thought, and at the risk of sounding Pollyannish about this, if you're going to catch the Chiefs at less than their best, maybe it's probably playing early. them early is better than playing them late. That's fair. Good point. The Nuggets, of course, have made a... Uh, Tremendous leap forward going to the Western Conference Finals for the fifth time in their history, and this time uh, with the best chance they have ever had to win the NBA Finals. We'll talk about that and talk a little bit about CU bus football with, um, well, one of the alums of that program, Justin Adams from CBS News Colorado, joins us next on Miley Sports.